Welcome to the History Tricks, where any resemblance to a boring old history lesson is purely coincidental. And here's your 30-second summary. Not just another pretty face under a big wig, Georgina entertained the big wigs and altered the face of British politics at a time when women had no public role, all while sharing her husband's mistress for 25 years. The end. Let's talk about the Duchess of Devonshire. First, let's drop her into history. In 1774, things were heating up between Britain and the colonies. Britain ordered ports in Boston closed to commerce with the Boston Port Bill. The first Continental Congress meets and the Minutemen organize. Uh, Rhode Island becomes the first colony to prohibit the importation of slaves in 1774. Louis XV dies, and Louis XVI ascends to the throne and becomes the King of France. That's a big one. I know, it is. Johnny Appleseed and Mary Weather Lewis are both born, and on June 7th, 17-year-old Georgina Spencer marries and becomes the fifth Duchess of Devonshire. Georgiana, yes, I say Georgiana at yes. this point. Spencer was the eldest of the three surviving children of John Spencer and Margaret Georgiana Points. Uh, later, they were the first Earl and Countess Spencer, but not yet. She was born at Althorpe Park, which was later the home of another famous Spencer, Lady Diana. Okay. That's so we're word. done with that. Okay. <laughs> so a word on the Spencer family. Um, their estate was bought in 1508. That's respectably old. In fact, yeah. Henry VIII was king at the time. That's a long time. So, yeah, think about that. So that's old. That's an old family. That's old money. And by the time Georgiana was born, her father was worth about $74 million in today's money. Um, so, like, to put this in perspective, you're sitting at home. And seventy thousand dollars a week is just coming in from the interest in your accounts. That's pretty sweet. Can you spend seventy thousand a week? No. And what do you do with your life? Well, Hilda's is not an exaggeration. And there is something else that I want to put in a special feature that is too complicated to talk about. But remember how we talked about the Duke of Marlborough? Yes. During the Jenny Jerome Churchill podcast, mm -hmm. and how the Spencers and the Duke of Marlborough were connected. Yes. Well, it happened to Georgiana's papa. That's where it broke off. Got it. So I just want to go over. There is like a little trick of history that, that makes that happen right there, that the Spencers <laughs> got a hold of the Marlboro dukedom. The points is, her mom's family, mm -hmm. were courtiers from way back. Right. Dad had started off as a um, upholsterer and then worked his way into the into the palace, and he was a tutor to the king's children and um, eventually worked up to a position entitled privy counselor. Doesn't that seem like... The life of a courtier just seems like, pardon my French, hell. <laughs> it doesn't seem like you could relax at any point. But the fact you're is... You're always on call. You're always on call and you're yeah. always on stage. Like, you have to hide your real feelings. You mm -hmm. have to be polite. You mm -hmm. have to... And that's what Mama was like, his child, you know. But... Unlike many of their contemporaries, Georgiana's parents married for love. They really did. They really did. Right. She saw him, and she just fell immediately in love with him. And he was not, like, in public, he was not a real outgoing kind of guy. He was very cold and distant. Um, but she didn't see that side of him. She just immediately, and he's very handsome, I think. Well, on the inside of mm -hmm. Mama's wedding ring. Oh, go ahead. My French is awful. Mon est tout à toi, garde le bien pour moi. My heart is yours. Keep it well. How pretty is that? They had gone off the Pointses and the Spencers on a trip to Wimbledon Park for a week. And at the end of the trip, he was really nervous. And he and he took her aside and he proposed marriage to her. It's very sweet. It's not 
your typical... Um, I'll trade you land for this girl. Exactly. Yeah. Here's the dowry. It's not a business transaction mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, I thought it was really sweet. Yeah. I totally apologize for my really bad friend. But anyway. So love might have been the reason for the forbearance. Her father was very hypochondriacal. <gasps> Do I get points for that word? Lots of points. <laughs> and so all three of his children had this healthy respect for Papa's temper, but he was also very affectionate, too. Mm-hmm. You know what he reminds me of reading about him? He reminds me of Darcy from Pride and Prejudice. Oh. Like, he's so nice to his sister. He's mm-hmm. so kind. Mm-hmm. But you don't see him cracking up and doing tap dances or anything. Mm-hmm. But his sister has this respect and love for him, and everyone outside is like, that guy is yeah, horrible. Where's the, yeah, what's the attraction? So he has a sweet center, but a yes. crunchy outside. <laughs> yes. I like that. Now, Mama, on the other hand, could not stop talking about Georgiana, her favorite child. Little G, she oh, called her. She couldn't have been clearer about who was her favorite no, child. No, it no, was, it was pretty obvious. And she was fairly young when, when she had her. Yeah, that's common. But, yeah, no, yeah. I'm just saying. And that was her first child with a man that she loves. I mean, woohoo! Mm-hmm. This is excitement. And she was a beautiful child, well-behaved, well-mannered, excellent at etiquette. You know, she even had a brother, and he didn't rise to favorite child even, Mm-mm. so. Yeah, he came, he came next. And then Harriet. If there was ever a person playing second fiddle, it was that I girl. Know. I know. third, last. She already, they already had the girl. They already had the boy. Harriet was referred at by her mother <laughs> to people in letters, in writing, mm-hmm. As a little ugly girl with no beauty to speak of. Wow. I'm feeling the love. But they really were unusually affectionate parents for the time. They would play and they always liked people to sit on their laps. And, you know, it was um, probably because of the love match thing, don't you think? I think affection was in the house. Yeah, and they exposed the children to. A wide variety of people, and, you know, people would come to the house. The kids weren't shuffled, always shuffled off and never seen. They interacted and... Kind of to their detriment at some point. I'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, they were very, very busy. They they moved between five houses, mm-hmm. and then all their houses were gathering places for the high and mighty to meet. You know how deals are made now in modern day, like at restaurant tables or on the golf mm-hmm. course mm-hmm. or... You know, off-site in the Hamptons yeah. <laughs> or wherever, Martha's Vineyard, yeah. wherever it is, um, not in the boardroom necessarily. That's what happened here at the Spencer's house, uh, houses. Influential people just showed up and treated this as their club, kind mm-hmm. of, and, right. and met and hobnobbed. Famous writers, also musicians, artists moved about the house. Their parents prided themselves on being a patron. And little G was actually able to attend balls as early as 11, which seems early. And she... But was, she did well. She did well. She was at gambling parties at 8, though. Well. I can't help but think of Drew Barrymore. <laughs> oh. <laughs> at Studio 54. Yeah, She's right, 8. True. And people yeah. are gambling and losing fortunes and yeah. drinking and... And all that goes on. All that goes on. Mm-hmm. Girls raised in aristocratic households didn't have a lot of illusions or innocence left, I have mm-hmm. a feeling. No, by the I time don't they... think so. No. And Dad was a... He was a big wig. Ah, you get that? Ah. Um, it, so that, there was a lot of politicking going on in their houses as well. Her uh, parents were great wig supporters. We talked about it briefly in the Queen Victoria podcast that wigs, the basic tenet of their platform was that they believed that the king should not have absolute power and that parliament... In fact, the people. Also, right. this was not the people as we think of the people. No, no. But anyway, other people should have a voice in government other than the king. Right. Which, of course, the king didn't really like. Not so anyway, um, that's where she got her uh, indoctrination into the big party there. Something happened when she was six that I think, I seriously think, being the parent of a six-year-old messed her up. 
Well, her parents took her on a grand tour. Mm-hmm. They're going on a great trip. That's so exciting. Think modern day. We're going to Disneyland. Woo! You know, we're going to go see all, all these sides or whatever. And so they get there, and Papa was grumpy and didn't want to stay there or whatever. Though rather than just move, the parents took off and left Grandma in charge of Georgiana for a year. A year. I'm not even sure she knew they were leaving. No, and she it affected her because she was, why did they leave? She thought it had to do with her. And she was be- very over-the-top, well-behaved mm-hmm. during that time because she thought, maybe if I'm good, they'll come back. And a grandma used to let her sit in. There were 40 people at dinner, and the mm-hmm. little girl was allowed to sit at dinner. She's not up in the nursery with Nana having no. tea or whatever. She was allowed to interact with the adults, but she always felt like she had driven her parents away, like it was her that did something wrong. I think that yeah. colored the rest of her life. I I seriously I, How do. could it not? So, yeah, when they came back, she was very happy, but she was very mild, and she was very subservient and mm-hmm. um, clingy. Poor little thing. Well, at eight, Papa became an earl, so she got a title. She was now Lady Georgiana Spencer. So, now Lady Georgiana, she's educated with tutors, you know, the typical of the day. Obviously, the son went right. off to Harrow, to boarding school, uh, mm-hmm. pretty early, but the sisters were taught by lots of different masters in the house. Mm-hmm. And not, you know... Just people they pick up out of Craigslist yes. <laughs> or somewhere. <laughs> These are real uh, masters of lots of arts. But the goal was not to make her as educated as her brother, who, in fact, was getting knowledge rammed in his head <laughs> by mean people. But they polished but not overly educated. It was dangerous to educate a woman too heavily because then she'd never find a husband. Mm. <laughs> You're too smart to marry. Oh, Aww. man. And she okay. used to write stories and put on little shows mm-hmm. for company, and she practiced holding a room early. That yes. girl had the skill. I mean, at eight, at nine, people would stop talking. Ministers of government would stop talking to see her little play. That's so wonderful. And her mom loved that. Yeah. I mean, she could, her mom, in her head, if she was to create a child, it yeah. would be Georgiana. Definitely. The the deportment that Georgiana uh, expressed, the mom thought was the most important part of education. Mm-hmm. And since Georgiana was a natural, how proud. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like she's in the gifted and talented program of courtiership <laughs> right now. So at, at nine, there was a bit of a tragedy. Her mother lost two little girl babies. And from then on, her parents honestly got a little unhinged. These are people who love their children mm-hmm. desperately. It's very upsetting. And they kind of divided their personalities. They were overly religious on one hand and addicted to gambling on the other hand to a point of sickness. Mm. There was a quote in the mom's house that she was raised in that it was very similar to that. There would be a Bible on the table and the cards were in the drawer. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good example right there. And so, you know, she did the same, they did the same thing in in, um, the Spencer household. Man, okay, now do you remember that scene in the Marie Antoinette movie, the much maligned Sofia Coppola movie, uh-huh. where Marie Antoinette and all of these friends are drinking and gambling, I think it's her 18th birthday, mm-hmm. everyone is laughing, okay, imagine a little tiny child wandering that scene, that's what you've got, Georgiana, and her, pa- her parents had those kind of parties, mm-hmm. everyone's gambling, mm-hmm. um, the sun would come up. And they would reluctantly put away their things and go to bed. So um, at 14, she was taken to Paris, where she was a big freaking hit. She's beautiful. She's yeah. gracious. She's charming. 
Why wouldn't she be? Well, think about how in the world she'd really been being, being raised in that household. And mm-hmm. people thought she was older than her years, right. really. Um, like in Gossip Girl, how those kids are just too sophisticated. Too sophisticated. I'm sorry. I'm stunned. You're quoting pop culture. I am quoting pop culture. I'm stunned. Horizons are being expanded. <laughs> but, um, yes. You they're know older how, than they're, they're yes. older yeah, than they need right, to be, right, really. Right. But, they're very sophisticated. Mm-hmm. So her parents were connected and high-ranking enough, in fact, to be received at court. These aren't tourists at the Marriott. No. They're at court. <laughs> um, and she's very comfortable with the search that manners of Versailles. Marie Antoinette, having come from the more family-like atmosphere of mm-hmm. the Austrian court, mm-hmm. you know, this, the Duchess of Devonshire was all about Versailles. The artificial manners, I can handle that. Yeah, that was her thing. Yeah. So speculation was all right. Who is she going to marry this girl? They didn't have, really have to look that far. No, they re-encountered the son of an old friend. Yeah. And Mama set her sights. I think that's fair to say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> set her cap, set her Yeah, sights. it was like, oh, there's no question. Pulled out the elephant gun. This is what's going to happen. This is how you're going to be. That's your man. You know, I have to say a movie note here. Yeah. There's going to be great dismay mm-hmm. at the movie The Duchess throughout this mm-hmm. podcast because we don't, well, I speak for, I guess, both of us, we don't really like it very no, much. No, not really. I thought it was beautiful. I, th- and we t- I think we were in total agreement about this. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. I mean, the costuming is gorgeous, the scenes and, and such, but the movie itself had so many holes that we kept stumbling through it. And just to definitely read the book. Yeah, and actually the um, the book, which which the book. <laughs> There's other books, but the one that we liked the most was um, uh, by Amanda Foreman, which the the movies purportedly was based on. But the book actually says on the front of it, first read the book, then see the movie. <laughs> and that couldn't be clearer. I know. <laughs> Look at the pictures to get it in your mind if you need to. But yeah, read the book. Yeah, and um, Rafe is that how you say his name? Rafe Fines. Rafe Fines. Mm-hmm. He looks forty-ish or older, like uh-huh. an older man making the moves on a teen queen, uh-huh. which is like has it got a skeeve factor that's yeah. pretty high for the movie. But in fact, he's only twenty-four. He's a grim, humorless twenty-four. Uh-huh. But he's closer to her age. It's not as skeevy as. It's all that, and and in this day and age, um, for someone to marry someone near their own age, that's the that's good anyway, because you could just as easily have been married off to a fifty or sixty year old man. You right, know? right. Do you want to talk about him? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Not Ray Fines. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't want to talk about him. He's handsome. But yeah, um, he's way more handsome than our groom. He's he's actually sent off to get polished on the continent, I guess, and. It doesn't stick. It doesn't really work. Well, he's super intelligent, Mm -hmm. but he's so reserved. He had no emotional relationship with his parents Mm -mm. at all. Mm -mm. It was stiff upper lip. It was keep it all inside. But here's the thing. Georgina sees that, and then she knows how her father is in public, and she thinks, oh, he's just like daddy. He's not. He doesn't have that soft center. It's just mm -mm. not there. He's crunch all the way through. But, I mean, he's not like a mean guy. Mm -hmm. He just is is really emotionally handicapped. (laughs) Well, theoretically, his rank made him the leader to the headship of the Whig political party, but he seriously could not be bothered. I mean, Uh -uh. he was really shy at public speaking, but at his club or among his male friends, his opinion was sought, that everyone valued what he thought. He just couldn't be brought to be more involved. It wasn't his thing. Well, he definitely saw her as suitable wife material. Why Um, wouldn't he? Well, what he was concerned about, old family, Mm -hmm. plenty of money, young Mm -hmm. enough to bend to his will mm-hmm. and perfectly presentable to society. Yeah. 
marriage for the upper-class British man really offered no advantages other than getting an heir. So no. a wife's duty was not to hang out and be your friend. You get a mistress for that. Mm-hmm. You could pick up mistresses. Ten to the he dozen. He was fairly gifted in picking up mistresses. He was picking up mistresses. <laughs> but a wife was to produce heirs and mm-hmm. to present your public face to society. Right. And, you know, attend to the society duties. Keep your name unblemished. Mm-hmm. Poor old I, him. Didn't I, get what he bargained for, did he? No. Well, her family, and she, in fact, saw him as suitable husband material, too. Yep. He's a duke. Mm-hmm. She'd be a duchess. That's right. just under royalty. No matter how rich Papa was, in fact, this duke was exponentially richer. He's getting $6 million a year from interest. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. How, seriously boggles the mind to think of how to spend $6 million a year. A year, yeah. I don't know. know. But somehow we manage it. <laughs> we manage it? Really? Yeah. No, yeah. we, I mean the royal well, yeah. we. <laughs> the ducal we. The Cavendishes manage it quite well. <laughs> Georgiana saw how her parents felt so flattered by the Duke's attentions. I know there was pressure. I know there was. Not pressure like Vanderbilt pressure. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to have a heart attack and die if you don't marry the right. blah, blah, blah. No, right. but pressure like... What a good match. This would be the pinnacle of all our achievements. We didn't even dare to dream so high. Blah, blah, blah. That kind of thing. Yeah. I don't think she fought it, though. Oh, no, no. No. That's a high rank. He's a suitable husband material. This is what she's been, this is her life. And it was well known that marrying for love, the way her parents did, is an anomaly. It's Mm -hmm. probably not happening, so you don't bank on that. So, but everybody else around thought that her delightfulness would be just be thrown away on Mr. Dullface. Yeah. They didn't think they were well-matched at all. Well, the second they were engaged, Mama began having these backseas feelings, like Marie Antoinette's mother did. Like, uh-huh. whoa, she's too young. I didn't give her enough practical education. She doesn't know the duties of a duchess. What have I done wrong? Uh, she's unarmed against vice, says the woman holding gambling parties <laughs> while drinking. In front well, of nine-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, so she was right to be nervous. Yeah. You know, but oh, she, yeah. she had a big old hand in creating that situation. Oh, she, yeah. No, no, no. She she might have had a twinge of guilt percentage-wise. It's not, it wasn't overwhelming. No. Hmm. No, I think it'll work. I'll write her some letters later. It'll be fine. It'll be I'll right. guide her. She's here in this country. It'll be fine. So it was the wedding of the century. On her 17th birthday. Mm-hmm. The press talked it up. They talked up the trousseau. What did she buy? Everyone examined her dresses. She mm-hmm. bought 65 pairs of new shoes, which makes me want to lay down and fan myself. And <laughs> this is a, one of the good things about that movie is that it it did show the wedding, and it was beautiful. Well, now, well, I mean, the thing yeah. is, though, the 18th century weddings were not as how shall I say, as William and Catherine? Yes, the lavish affairs. In fact, there were only five witnesses, and here's why. It was strategery. The wedding had gotten so popular in the press that both the Cavendishes, Mm -hmm. the Duke of Devonshire's family, both them and the Spencers thought, oh, there's going to be a mob, you know, there's going to be unsavoriness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so two days before the wedding date that had been published and made it about on her 17th birthday, um, I think they woke her up on her birthday, like, happy birthday, you're getting married. I don't think she even knew that they had moved it up a couple days. But it was for everybody's safety. Right. Well, that sounds very much like modern day celebrities sometimes. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, the ones that don't really want the publicity. Even her little brother and sister weren't there at the actual wedding. So she became, on her 17th birthday, the fifth Duchess of Devonshire. Well, let's take a little break. And when we come back, we will talk about Georgiana's life as the leader of fashion and society. 
This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. You can download a free audiobook today by following the Audible link on our website, thehistorychicks.com. You can choose from over 85,000 titles over all types of literature to listen to on your MP3 player or smartphone. So we're back. We are. So our couple is married. And all married couples were required to present themselves to the queen. In this case, Queen Charlotte. She, Georgiana, was on time. She was wearing her wedding dress. She was on show. He strolled in hours and hours late. Hours and hours late. Could you imagine? You are, this is like the big day. This is like you've been waiting for this. Presented at court? As a married woman for the yeah. first time. And your husband isn't there. He strolls in. He, I think he is seriously saying he is above carrying what the king and queen think. Uh-huh. He is a duke. Right. He will do what dukes do, which is whatever the age they want. So I wonder what he was doing. Like, was he just playing with the dogs? He did have a mistress. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, his mistress at this moment had a baby. Yes, she did. It was his baby. And that will come into play in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But nobody knew about that uh, yet. But at this very moment, when his brand new wife is being presented to the queen, some other woman not too far away, also with the last name of Spencer, curiously, but no relation. No relation, right. Who used to, you know, make hats for a living, um, had his child. So new brides of this rank had to make formal calls to everyone of high rank. You know, Gilded Age New York had its 400, mm-hmm. and the Duchess of Devonshire had about her 500. Mm-hmm. And I'm not exactly sure. I kind of try to do some math, because sometimes <laughs> I like to torture myself. And I'm so glad that you do. <laughs> um, I'm not sure how many individual visits that is, but let's say, you know, between 200 and 250 individual 15-minute visits, plus travel time, plus dressing time, so there's your first month of married life right there. It done. A month in, the ducal pair went to their summer place, Uh Chatsworth, which took three days, and it was the first regular daytime time they'd ever been together, alone. And Mr. No Talkington was basically stoic man the whole way. That's fun. I'm sure it was so fun to be ignored by someone for three days. Oh, yeah, well, and she's waiting. She's waiting for him to be her dad. And he's just and, not. And, yeah, and it's not. It's so there's a slap upside the head of reality. <laughs> so we'll show you Chatsworth in a special feature. Let's just say it was supremely grand in the Versailles tradition. You know, that, rooms yeah. opened onto rooms. There were no, you know, halls. You were on show. That was not the comfortable family home. That was the stage for the Duke and the Duchess. She was now the wife of one of the... Most powerful men in Britain. Seriously. There were expectations. There were standards. Well, I think she fulfilled them. Well, yeah. Remember um, the Gilded Age heiresses, Consuelo Vanderbilt was also kind of famous. Mm -hmm. And she was the Duchess of Marlborough at 19, never having any domestic responsibilities before. Right. Uh, You know, same basic deal here. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) I mean, you know, a duchess is a hostess. She's a charity. She's the patroness. She's a mistress of... This enormous machine of, you know, servants and expenses, mm-hmm. not her strong point. And she was only 17 <laughs> years old. I think that's a big expectation. Give a 17-year-old a $6 million a year credit card. <laughs> yeah. Well, her parents descended on her, so that's probably good, yeah. I think, to help her. His relatives dropped in like crazy, and they were not shy about telling her to conform to their ways. No. They changed the pronunciation of her yeah, name. It's perfect. <laughs> At this point, we need to make a pronunciation shift. Those of you who knew a little bit about the Duchess of Devonshire right. were probably cringing every time we said Georgiana. But that's her birth name. That's mm-hmm. what happened up mm-hmm. until this point. It was mm-hmm. Georgiana. But the Cavendishes 
had this bizarre little lingo. It's called the Devonshire drawl. Well, what it was was this odd mixture of words pronounced like they had been a a hundred years ago. Right. Like snobbly, like the vowel shift that happened, according to the Cavendish, never happened. Mm -hmm. And mixed up with this baby talk. Like, instead of saying you, they would always say ooh. Like, ooh is my love. Or seriously affected. Is ooh coming to breakfast? I I know. But she adapted. Oh, she adapted immediately. (laughs) But from now on, we are going to try. And it's hard because it doesn't come naturally to say Georgina. Georgina. Because from now on, she's known as Georgina. (laughs) I hope we can remember to do it. I know. So if we slip in and out, please don't write. So we mean to say Georgina. Georgina. Yeah. Right. So um, almost immediately after they arrived, Georgina which I actually wrote out phonetically Did you really? right here. George, and then I wrote A-Y-N-A. Yeah, interesting. Uh, she got her first look at this other duty of hers, which was using her presence to influence votes mm-hmm. in the House of Commons. Here's a quick diversion here. There's peers. Okay. Right. Peers meaning, you know, dukes, viscounts, marquises, earls, barons. They're in the House of Lords. Automagically. Is ooh one of those guys? Who <laughs> is? Who is in the House of Lords? Who's <laughs> got some work to do? <laughs> um, but um, those guys were barred from involving themselves in campaigning for the House of Commons, which theoretically people were elected to, but in fact ended up being younger sons of these guys, right. um, brothers, nephews. It's a family affair. Yeah. So, since the peers were barred from campaigning on behalf of their male relatives, the, the wives were able to do that. And yeah. she had been raised in a political household. Mm-hmm. So, this was, this was, and this was her party. Yeah. So. Well, and the Cavendishes, with extended family, basically controlled 23 seats. So, mm-hmm. 23 seats went whatever way they decided they were going to go. Right. That's not a democracy. No. <laughs> well, you know, they used to do things like you had to have X amount of property to mm-hmm. vote mm-hmm. and so sometimes if things didn't go that way they would buy up every house worth that much <laughs> and hold on to it so that just nobody for, just for the vote in that area would be able to vote against their guy that's dirty pool i mean smart pool but dirty yeah pool, <laughs> so the entire family it was the responsibility to have entertainments provide food hobnob with the locals just make them feel like they were part of your family mm-hmm. that you were the head of this wonderful cavendish like, brotherhood yay i'm so glad that you live here common people with pigs and 50 bucks that allows you to vote I'm your duchess. Look at my feathers. You know. This is the guy you need to vote for. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, Mama Spencer had done that for years mm-hmm. also. She had that model. It's not unique to the Cavendishes by mm-hmm. any means. This mm-hmm. one, you know. And she, Georgina knew what to do. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, duty done. You know, check. Yeah. Now for yeah. good times. The season. The ton. The, the ton. hyper-fashionable socialite fast set. Right. The, the home that they had in London, Devonshire House, was the center of society, and she... She did it big. She did her hair big, and she did these parties big. Devonshire House Ball was like a shorthand for you are going to be amazed mm-hmm. at the fine time you will have. Right. And the glittering people who will be with, there with you. And that's where, like before you were talking about the Spencer's House being where mm-hmm. the politics and the deals are made. Now it's Devonshire House. Anywhere Georgina would go, people longed to be there. Did she speak to you? Did she see you? Anything she did, though, was copied and mocked, kind of equally, high hair. High hair. <laughs> and it caused, I mean, it was, 
they, it affected the way that they walked and the way that they sat because it was heavy air too. Well, it was out of control. They had to sit on the floors of their carriages on the way to go anyplace because the hair didn't fit. You know, one Halloween. Speaking of high hair, uh-huh. one Halloween, I ironed and starched my husband's hair into a three foot mohawk. Awesome. And he had to stick his whole head out the window sideways, and he rode to this Halloween party willing to look like the biggest fool with his head sticking out the window for fashion. And I can only imagine the mockery of the husbands who are like, seriously, get up off yeah. the floor. Well, and the huge ostrich feathers, that was definitely Georgina's. Mm-hmm. Um, they're actually, there's some cartoons. I'll have to post a picture oh, and, yeah. of the cartoons of the ostrich feathers basically uh-huh. catching on fire from touching the light fixtures, which were, were burning candles. I mean, and there was a scene in that movie where her hair catches on fire. It's yeah. towards the end. She's spiraling a little out of control, but... Well, yeah, I remember they... Um, but. Amanda Foreman, in her book, quoted the Duke one time of saying very dryly to someone, please extinguish the Duchess, which is hilarious. <laughs> you know, the cartoons are just crazy. This is extreme fashion, mm-hmm. and, and people are copying her all over the place, and they asked the Duke, don't you mind that your wife is out there? She's crazy. And he said, I don't, I don't care, well, as long as she doesn't ask me to put ridiculous things on my head. She's young. Let her do what she likes. And I think it's his point of, she's a duchess. How dare you say anything? She outranks you. Yeah. Her political duty's done. Her society duty, definitely done. Done. But her most important duty, not done. Yep. Duke needs an heir, and she is not doing it. By the time she was 19, she'd already had at least two miscarriages. Mm -hmm. And um, it was blamed on her dissolute life with the facet. She actually writes a book. She writes a semi-autobiographical novel um, and, and it's published under Anonymous, yeah. called The Sylph. And it went through um, four editions. They knew, it was commonly known that that was who had written it. Um, but I just think that's really kind of kind of cool yeah. for all you people who did NaNoWriMo <laughs> and wrote your novels. She did it at 21. Hmm. That's exciting. I know, it is. So anyway. So, you know what else she did at what? 21? She went to Versailles to you know yes. bring it down a notch. Let's... let's <laughs> Go to Versailles to calm down on the drinking and gambling is not a good strategy. Maybe from, you know, across the the, the pond there, the channel, you know, it looks maybe, like it. Maybe the trip. Let's get her out of here and maybe she'll calm down. No. So Marie Antoinette and Marie Antoinette's great friend, the Duchess of Polignac, mm-hmm. they developed friendships during this series of visits that would last their entire rest mm-hmm. of their lifetimes. Right, right. Um, this is the circles we move in. That's quite and awesome. They had, I think, uh, Marie Antoinette and Georgina had a sincere friendship. They had a lot in common. They yeah. both married for rank. Mm-hmm. They both married to someone in the public eye, like mm-hmm. No Tomorrow. They were both leaders of fashion. Right. They both had problems with not having babies. Right. Different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Georgina was at least, you know, working on it. The families that they came from were kind of similar in that they were, it was a kind of a warm family life. Mm-hmm. And they moved to this environment that was was not so much so. So they exchanged letters for quite a while. And um, I, I, I always I thought it was interesting when reading all this stuff that a lot of the things that Marie Antoinette is given, taken to task for doing, Georgina was forgiven. Well, and Georgina really did. I know. <laughs> Marie Antoinette was relatively blameless. Yes. and Comparatively. But, uh, right. Yeah, uh, I would say the Duchess of Devonshire's friends charitably could be Uh described as completely dissipated. (laughs) Now, somebody wrote a play that was produced 
and a book called The School for Scandal, and there was a young woman named Lady Teasel that could not have more clearly than <laughs> the Duchess of Devonshire. And she was kind of shocked. I mean, it was heavy drinking, late nights, gambling, flirting, gossip. It was not a good portrayal. And she was a little bit shocked and kind of hurt by this. I mean, that's the downside of celebrity girlfriends. Right. There is that sign. Yeah. It's the downside. And she wrote, The hurry I live in here distracts me. When I first came into this world, the novelty of this scene made me like everything. But my heart now only feels an emptiness which cannot be filled. Aww. She um, developed bulimia about now. Yep. She developed these fits that she called her Wednesday feels. I have a friend who says she's in her feelings. I guess you kind of understand Pretty what that party. is. I'm in my feelings. Yeah. So she was in her feelings. Wallowing. Every, yeah. we, every Wednesday. Every I don't Wednesday. know what happened every Wednesday. <laughs> it's the middle of the week. Why not? So she's all <laughs> rudderless. All rudderless. And then she met someone that made her look at life differently. And it was a politician named Charles Fox. Who I like to call Mr. Macaroni. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've got a special feature on the macaronis, and I think she was initially attracted to him because he was as wackadoo with fashion as she was. Yeah, we we have pictures was, of that already on the website for another from another podcast. But she was initially attracted to his wild patterns of clothes and his high hair and his eccentricity and his <laughs> lisping fake manner, which fit in with the Devonshire. Oh, Astral. absolutely! This so, was a politician she could really get behind. But he got her into reading political mm-hmm. theory. So somewhere under all that hair powder. Well, they must have spoke the same language. They did. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And he probably saw, you know what? This is kind of like a mentor situation. Yes. He was greatly admired. Um, um, think about like some super smart Ferris Bueller. Mischievous mm-hmm. and naughty. And he'll lead you down some paths. But he's totally fun. And, and he's, he's charming. And he's smart. And he gets away with things. Yeah. He's one of those people that you he could probably talk you into just about anything mm-hmm. and make it seem like a very wise decision. So she began to self-educate herself on political theory. Uh-huh. So that was really good. And then and she got key. a little, that was yeah. That was the turning point, you know, for her, the involvement that she had in politics. Yeah, for the rest of her life. Right out, as she's educating herself, she decides that she has got to take in hand her main duty. She's got to get get a handle on this baby business. And it's been six years. She's done what she had to do and nothing's happening. So she, I know you love all this 1700s medicine and... <laughs> Quacktacular. Yeah, and this is a, another, another special feature in and of itself. But there is a doctor... Uh, by the name of, ironically, James Graham. Hmm. I'm not going to claim this one. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Um, and he was very popular with this set. Um, and he set up a temple of health. And people would come in for his, you know, we can go now, wackadoodle methods. But back then they're like, oh, science. This is going to work. And he... He did th- something where he had a bed that was filled with stallion hair and linked to magnets th- that people would, for 500 pounds a night, couples would come, and he's almost guaranteeing that there will be a child as a result of sleeping in this horse hair bed. Stallion hair. It makes me vomit. <laughs> Thinking about it. And he's, he's, he's shocking body parts, and he's... he's <laughs> He's um, burying people in mud. For a while, she gets involved in that, and 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 it doesn't really work for her. <laughs> well, what does work is she does end up with a child in the house, but it's not the one she no. paid five hundred pounds for. Do you remember back when they were being presented to court and the baby was being born? 
Well, the Duke has distanced himself from the mother at this point. He, she was his mistress for quite a while, but they dissolved the relationship. The mother died, and the Duke, and, and this is kind of maybe this is a little soft, soft center, just a teeny bit. He takes in the child. He, he, because he didn't have to, right? Mm-hmm. No, but he takes in the child. And what does Georgina do? Is she gonna go? This is another woman's child. This is a child that was born, you know, while we were married. No. She welcomes this baby Charlotte with mm-hmm. open arms. Yeah. She loved that child. Another method that um, Georgina does to try and conceive a child is to go to Bath and take the water. And while there, she meets a woman who will be with her for the rest of her life. She meets Elizabeth Foster. Now, Elizabeth Foster was married, and she was... She was um, in such circumstances that everybody felt a little bit, uh, you know, her husband had had an affair with a maid and mm-hmm. wanted a separation, mm-hmm. took the children, which British men got Indeed. custody of the children, mm-hmm. end of story. They owned them as if they were property, and he wouldn't give her any money. And her right. father, who, by custom, she was supposed to descend upon for help in order to stop her support, <laughs> tried to get her to go back to that husband. It was very mean. Genteel poverty yeah. is how they were living. Definitely. Um, but the, she's in a bit of a pickle because mm-hmm. her father had just acceded to his title, and now she's a lady, Elizabeth Foster, and now she's ineligible to be a governess. She's ineligible, really, to mm-hmm. work. She's mm-hmm. in a pickle. Yeah. She can't make money, and nobody's giving her any. <sighs> Stressful. But she's got some skills. Manipulation <laughs> might be being one of them. Yeah, and she's not shy. No, and uh, Georgina and, by extension, the Duke must have looked like golden angels with halos to her. She seized upon friendship with both of them. Survival is what I think it is, really. Survival. Um, She had six or seven months of working her magic. Georgina's mama sniffed a fraud. She sniffed a grifter right away. But the three were, like, pet naming each other immediately. They called each other Canis, Rat, and Mizraki. Good times. (sighs) Good times. Georgina was pregnant! Yay! And that's really, that was the goal, is to get that baby. And she wrote that this time she was not going to take any laudanum. (laughs) Okay. That's a great idea. You think? So good for her, you know, laudanum-free pregnancy. Right. That's right. That's a fraud that made me laugh. (laughs) Okay, so her house had become the center of political life, like Susan had said earlier. When French ambassadors, in fact, came, where did they all go? They went to Georgina's dinners. Her house was the hub, which made it super inconvenient when she had to go into seclusion at the end of her pregnancy. They were all disgruntled. <laughs> where am I going to get my information? I know. It had become so integral to their meetings to go there. Yeah. They had taken the situation for granted, and she's gone, and they're, like, wandering around, like, uh-uh. Oh, where do I go? So she gave birth to her first child after so many miscarriages. A little girl named, we could guess what she's named, Georgina. Why do these people do this? Do they not realize how complicated it makes it several hundred years down the road? Yes. Well, they called her Little G, which is super cute. Yes. But the papers wrote, and I quote, the satisfaction of this event is a little impaired by the sex of the infant. Yeah. And the Cavendishes, in fact, were livid that she breastfed this little girl because, you know, although it's the birth control method that's insured babies throughout the centuries, mm-hmm. it, it does suppress conception. Yes. Statistically, Statistically it does. 
Don't be naming your children Beckett and Susan. Don't rely on that, it. But don't rely on it. But yeah, it does. And actually, she she breastfed all of her children. But especially a girl when you don't have a son was mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, yeah. Mm, that's not you want to. Yeah, you want to start. You want to improve get, your chances. Get busy. Yeah, she did. So all this time, old Elizabeth Foster had been um, charged with being a governess slash companion to the Duke's natural daughter, Charlotte. And you know what? That was actually a very fitting, I have no problem with this, it's a very fitting and generous thing to do for somebody. Like, she can't get an official job as a governess, let's pay her for some work, her pride is intact, Mm -hmm. she's doing us a service, (laughs) etc. She she did a few people's services. Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) She takes Charlotte on a tour, and it was more of a, Bed hopping tour. Yes. Poor Charlotte. Well, both the Duke and the Duchess have been separately writing her, more intimate to her than mm-hmm. to each other. And even Mr. Super Crispy No Talkington was pouring out his feelings about how much he missed Bess. And I think it's because this is my own Ooh, feeling. Let's hear it. Georgina had an audience mm-hmm. of which the, the Duke was a member. He wanted to be sucked up to. And who is primed to suck up to such a man? But Elizabeth Foster, I think he had a need for this devotion that Georgina, with her public, didn't have it in her to give him. Slavish devotion to only him, whereas Bess Foster had all the motivation to make it all about him. And you know, to a man like that, that's love. I and then like to Georgina, she had nobody to talk to in this way, and she right. needed a close friendship. She was always close to her sister Harriet, but mm-hmm. she didn't live in the house. Right. And they begged her to come back. Mm-hmm. Do come back. You won't be a governess. You'll live with us as our friend, our sister. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth was reluctant to come back in a cool clash of worlds. The reason she didn't want to come back, Marie Antoinette's reluctantly discarded love of her life. Axel von Fersen was in town <gasps> and fell in love with Elizabeth Foster. Wah, wah. He returned his affections. Oh. Well, and this is a man that had... S- so enamored Marie Antoinette, she was willing to cry in front of all of Versailles when he left. But it didn't stop him from hooking up right after. No. But you know what? Elizabeth Foster's no fool, and she knows her no. future prospects do not depend on Axel von Fersen, which is no. probably smart. Thus, she came back and began a domestic menage a trois that lasted over 25 years. Years. Rather than go back and forth with the two main themes that go through the rest of Georgina's life, I think we should separate, you know, personal life mm-hmm. from political achievements. Okay. Um, just a little bit because they intertwine and to bounce back and forth would be really confusing. Yeah, we don't want to be confusing. So, um, and we're going to also take the political things down to one or two of the major ones. Right. And, you know, perhaps put up some special features or some links to where you can read about the details, because really, a lot of Georgina's machinations yes. require a level of knowledge about British politics and names of prime ministers right. and everything, which I, you know, we can't give you in this podcast. No, 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 no. And it's that's not really our focus here anyway. Let's take a little break. This is a natural place. We're going to take a quick look at politics and then go into the juicy details of personal life in the menage a trois relationship of Devonshire House. PG-13. Okay, so let's take a little break. For listeners of this podcast, Audible.com is offering a free audiobook download to give you a chance to try out their service. For this episode, the chicks recommend The Duchess by Amanda Foreman. 
It's over 15 hours of audio from the greatest authority in the world and is one of the sources used for this show. To receive your free download, go to audible.com slash thehistorychicks or simply follow the Audible ad on our website, thehistorychicks.com. And we are back. Um, like we said, we're going to talk about things by topic to try and make it a little bit easier to follow. First off, let's start with politics. She was a big, I mean, we've been talking about her history with politics and, and her relationship with um, Charles Fox, but now things start to change a little bit more uh, serious. Yeah, a little bit more serious. Um, she was drawn into politics kind of in a way that had never been done before, you know, or since until mm-hmm. the modern day, really. Right. And they both involved Charles Fox. Now, we could go on and on about her political activities. And like we said, if unless you're real familiar, it's not going to make a lot of sense to you. Right. But there's two that kind of bookend her political career that are important to know how serious she really was. Right, right. I think these are both... There's frivolity right. throughout, I assure you. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay, one thing, she was 27, so she's at the beginning of this, you know, thing. It all started with the usual going about, canvassing for the Spencers, canvassing for the Cavendishes, very well and good. But when she was 27, there was an event called the Westminster Election of 1784. Most of the seats, as we talked about, are a done deal. Mm-hmm. There's no question. The Duke says we vote for this guy. It happens. But the district that was closest to Parliament, which was not numerically significant, but was pride significant. Right. You know, you wanted to win it just so you could say you won it. Right. Basically. Um, so it was Vox versus some other guys. Georgiana loved the whole thing and was bragging that she got into political fights in the audience at the opera. <laughs> She's all about it. And, you know, I wouldn't want to get in a political fight with her because she knew her stuff. Right. Absolutely. She'd been studying theory. Um, so the Whigs asked her, could you campaign for us? Can you canvas for us the way that you do for your family, relatives? Mm-hmm. And so they made outfits, the buff and blue. They made outfits that all matched each other, matched the party's colors. And they went to, co- this is what was so different. They went to common streets. They went door to door. They even went into the roughest of houses, much to their detriment. Can you imagine being a woman of a house in, in a neighborhood like this? And there's a knock on the door. <laughs> and here comes the Duchess in her dress that costs more than your husband will make in his lifetime. And her hat, her ostrich feathers brushing the cobwebs <laughs> off the ceiling. <laughs> Oh, you're dusting for me. That's so sweet. Yes, of course. You could have my vote. Well, not her vote, obviously. But it was so unusual for a woman to kind of put herself out there. She didn't have a male escort. She was perhaps with a couple other ladies, and they decided to kind of be bold and go out of their sphere a little bit. But the rumors started almost immediately that she was allowing caresses by strangers in return for a promise to vote, that she would kiss men for promises to votes, which may have been true. Yes. Um... They, they also had um, linked her with Fox as his mistress because they couldn't imagine, like, a man of the people, that's one thing. Right. But a woman of the people, yeah, that's a prostitute. It, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're out there, you're willing to put yourself in the public eye, then you're not a moral person. Right. And um, 
you know, it even got worse. The cartoons would say that she gave favors and met men in secret, you know, for the mm-hmm. promise of support, all of which was not true. Right. The dark forces were not true. I can't really see the men denying those allegations. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, she did come. <laughs> so public opinion. Well, um, to the house. Yeah. So the thing that um, hurt her the most, actually, was kind of the public opinion of her reputation. And in the paper, it was printed, ladies who interest themselves much in the case of elections are perhaps too ignorant to know they meddle in what does not concern them, but they ought at least to know, even in these days of degeneracy, to expect common decency from a married woman. I... So, yeah, the, the public wasn't, uh, or the papers were for her. The people, the people loved, loved her. her a lot. Yes. There was a really damaging one where she was kissing a butcher while putting money in his pocket. That's bad. Her reputation was pretty much in tatters, and she had to employ people to go around and buy up copies of these cartoons and put them in the fire before they could get out too far. <laughs> it was bad. She fled away. I mean, it was bad. Yeah. In the paper. Not good. She left. She went to visit her mother in the country. Like, I can't, oh my, this has gotten over my head. And she was kind of hiding out. And the Whigs got so many votes from her and her fellow ladies' efforts mm-hmm. that they begged her to come back. And her parents were like, no, no, we saw what <laughs> happened last time. She's not coming back there. And no. they begged. They begged. They said, we'll send escorts. We'll fight them in the... With other cartoons. We'll fight him in the paper. We'll defend her reputation. Mm-hmm. We need her. We need her to come back. And so she can't resist. Oh, no. There's people that want her. She can't resist. I mean, the king is paying for the cartoons against her. This is how <laughs> powerful her enemies are right uh-huh. now. So this is how... How high up they are. How They're, high it's up not, they are. Yeah, it's not just... It's like a couple Georgina versus the king. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, round one. Yeah. But um, people loved her still. She became a godmother to like 30, 40 babies. That's awesome. I mean, the common, the lady with the cobwebs on the ceiling right. has a baby, and the duchess agrees to be the godmother? That's something. That is something. <laughs> and she also did this thing that was right up her alley where she would go to wig stores or stores that she thought should be wig-based, and mm-hmm. she would spend excessive amounts of money and say, they're just, imagine all the ladies that will come to you if the wigs win. There you go. Ladies who spend like me. Yeah, oh, the power oh, of that's... the power of money. Yeah. And so the wigs won this seat. They didn't it didn't make so much difference numerically in the house, but mm-hmm. this was the pride, this was the one that they wanted to win to smack the face of the king, basically. Right. And it was a goal for her. Oh, it was. It was a goal achieved. I mean, she could yeah. put that as a as a win in her yeah, she was recognized Whatever. as the linchpin of public opinion. Mm-hmm. She was a political hostess and the political mostess. <laughs> Do you love that? I love that a lot. Let's say it again. A political hostess this and the political mostess. I love that. Okay. Well, and her opponents kind of grumbled. Well, why don't you just put her in then? Why even bother with Fox? He didn't do it. Just put the Duchess of Devonshire's name up there. They're so cons- You know, uh, that's sour grapeitude. Yeah, that's what time. I think. Big time. She never again was allowed to get in the trenches to that extent. No. I don't think she ever wanted to again. I, yeah. But she made a big difference to the morale of the party. Mm-hmm. It was her. It was only her and her. Mm-hmm. She did it. Yeah. So yep. that was awesome. That was great. So that's the first part. And then at the very, very end of, you know, of her life. Um, Which there, is not that many years no, later. Um, about 1800 or so, 
um, the Whigs were in trouble, and everybody's all disjointed, and ever there's factions, and it's just gross. And they have no power, and there's no rallying, and they're just wandering around. It's really a sad shadow of what they <laughs> once were. And so France and England were back at war, and they needed some strong leadership, and Georgiana could not stand what was happening. What is going on around here? Just She was like, why don't they just talk to each other? And she said, if neither party will make a step, how can they ever meet? And so for two and a half years, her whole goal was to create this parliament of her own choosing, <laughs> really, of guys that she thought would work well together, move forward, get a good focus, even if they're on opposite sides of the, the aisle, right. although they didn't really, you know. Like that, but yeah, <laughs> they're on opposite sides of the world, frankly. Um, you know, philosophically, and she thought that the country would be repaired by the exertions of good men. She basically harangued the Prince of Wales, she harangued bitter rivals. Um, to make a long story short, it was a battle for the prince mm-hmm. between the king and Georgina. Does that sound familiar? King uh, versus Georgina, round two, yeah, <laughs> 20 years later, yeah, and we should probably touch on the prince of wales <laughs> oh that's <laughs> yeah. different yeah well no we can touch on the prince of wales he was her friend yeah and it was believed that they never had despite rumors mm-hmm. a physical relationship in fact the prince used her as cover to secretly marry mrs fitzherbert his mm-hmm. mistress who was not acceptable mm-hmm. to his father mm-hmm. um, in fact he used to write letters to mrs fitzherbert under her name the duchess of devonshire that's that's not cool. No. That's not cool. Not really. But yeah, they were the best of but, friends, and he was very influenced by her. Mm-hmm. And anything yeah, she thought. <laughs> really. And, and Charles Fox, too. I guess we can just touch on that now, too. Um, were they intimate? I don't know. And that's always the case. When somebody's a little steps out of her little zone, everyone yeah. says, oh, it's just because they're sleeping together. Right. I mean, like modern corporate glass ceiling politics. Oh, she got that wave. By sleeping, sleeping with the away. baby. Right, you know, right, right. It's been age old. Yeah, right. So so who knows? Don't know. Now morals were looser. <laughs> Anything's possible. <laughs> but anyway, this political maneuvering of two and a half years of her life dedicated to the writing of letters, mm-hmm. the persuasion of people, the gathering of meetings led ultimately to something called the Ministry of All the Talents. And she was dubbed the head of the administration by one of her rivals, grudgingly admitted she did it. She did it. She did it. Her maneuvering and strategy actually changed the course of British politics. That is, that, is, that is simply amazing because we just look, I mean, the common, if, if you know anything about her, even just a little bit, it's a woman of fashion, a woman of parties, her lifestyle, but this is important stuff that she did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you need to know this. Yeah, and women seriously did not wield such influence again for 150 years yeah, or so. Right, exactly. Um, you know, we all know what happened to women's public roles under Victoria, for mm-hmm. example. Right. I mean, you know, just not done. Right. So she was there. She was the perfect person to be there during this window of opportunity for women in politics. Mm-hmm. So and that was she got all the right gifts, and she used them to the to the best of her ability. That is, yeah. So we couldn't we could not be you know. We couldn't talk about her without talking about the serious side. Yeah, because that's important stuff. Now, there, now yeah. let's talk about the unimportant stuff. Yeah. <laughs> to the juicy part. So now we get to the part, the triple marriage, the part everybody, she's just famous for this. Yeah, she is. Incomprehensible. Yeah. Menage relationship right. she had. Okay. Now, speaking of that, Elizabeth Foster, Bess, yes. and Georgina were pregnant at the exact same time. By the same man. 
<sighs> but Bess had to hide it because Bess yeah. had no legitimate reason to be pregnant with the Duke's child. Yeah. In fact, um, in fact, the cover was Georgina as her friend. Right. This wasn't a Mistress Duke situation to the public, Mm-mm. at least not yet. No, no. And so Georgina had her child, another girl, who they called Hario. Harry- is- they named her Harriet after Georgina's sister. And they called her Harry-O, which is cute. Isn't that cute? Harry-O. Like Harry-O. Harry-O. Cute. It is cute. So she had her child in a newly decorated, beautiful room in the the castle. Mm -hmm. But Bess went away for her health (laughs) and had to leave her baby, Caroline, with the family of one of her servants. She had the baby in a dirty inn. It was a very hole-in-the-corner affair. Mm -hmm. The servant pretended to be the father Mm -hmm. for propriety's sake. Right. How demeaning, how yeah. sad, and what a contrast, really. Mm. Yeah, no, it is quite a contrast. And what a secret to but, keep from Georgina, by yeah, the way. Yeah, oh. big secret from someone who you, you profess to be your best friend and all that, yeah. Well, and Georgina had one of her own, though. Speaking of secrets, yeah. she owed six million pounds. <laughs> There's secrets. They're Dude. sleeping around. There's a lot of soap opera stuff going on in this woman's life, yeah. She, gambling addiction was bad. She was raised gambling. I mean, the mom did it. It was a problem with the whole family, and and now she's got all this money and this power and this huge circle of people who also love to gamble. She would borrow money from them, um, and she kept her debts from her husband. Oh yeah, over and over. Now this particular incident, she started to be blackmailed by this notorious dealer in mm-hmm. a, um, a game called Pharaoh, F A R O, which was just like. I guess you bet on combination of cards the dealer turned up. I read somewhere that it has better dealer odds than roulette. Like, think how hard it would be to, like, win at roulette. Right. I guess Pharaoh's just right below that in terms of, like, you're not winning. Right. The so house why are you is even winning. Playing? Yeah. Whatever. Sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't gamble. Do you gamble at all? Mm-mm. No, not really. One time, I didn't have any pockets in my dress, yes. and I bought a Diet Coke at the Las Vegas airport. I was yeah. on a business trip, and I had a quarter. Uh-huh. Um, left over, and I didn't have any pockets. Uh-huh. So I just put the quarter in a, you know, the airport's full of slot yeah, machines. Right. I put it in a slot machine, I won $100. And then Did I got really? on the plane. So. Wow, you were up $100 in Vegas. I was up uh, $99.75 <laughs> from what I started. <laughs> I, was at, I went to Atlantic City once, I just and I just played the slots. I mean, I don't, I'm yeah. not a gambler. And I was up like um, $20. And then my shoe got a hole in it, and I had, then I had to go and buy another pair of shoes. So that was it. It was a wash. We're high rollers. I know. Twenty bucks. Here. High rollers and really cheap shoes. <laughs> I don't remember what shoes I was wearing. I, don't know. I remember they were Harachis. They they fell apart. I mean, Harachis and you know the ocean and they fell apart. I remember it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really great story. <laughs> Okay, so anxiety attacks debilitated her, and yes. from this point on, anytime she felt stress about the deaths, which was pretty much all the time, mm-hmm. she would either pretend to be ill, really be ill, get a migraine, take to her bed. She just didn't handle it well at all. Um, no, she, but she, yeah, she had migraines for several years, but she was also um, addicted to opiates. Well, you know, she laid off during her pregnancy. That's so right. And, and then she had noble. some maybe bulimia, mm-hmm. some type of eating disorder going on. Um, so she was not the healthiest of women. So um, so while 
Georgina was debilitated and in bed, Bess started swanning around downstairs giving orders to the servants, mm-hmm. etc., which was not her place at all. Mm-mm. And Georgina was betrayed by that. She was more offended at that than the sleeping with the husband thing she discovered. I, that's so funny to me. How dare you sit at the head of the table was more important than how dare you sleep in my bed, Papa Bear, Mama yeah. Bear. <laughs> well, he had been doing, I mean, that's that was their, there was their, that was their climate, I suppose. Well, besides, Georgina had been but. having an affair with the Duke of Dorset. So good for Goose, good for yeah, Gander. How right. could she be mad? Right. But she did confess her debt to the Duke, and he demanded an instant separation. Mm-hmm. Not for the Duke of Dorset, which he could care less. Whatever. He doesn't... I'm seriously, I don't think he cared. But if the official separation went through, Bess had a problem because she had to leave. Because if Georgina left... She had no reason to be lurking around. Right. So it was like a mutual, um, she was official cover. So And then Georgina needed Bess around to keep the Duke happy mm-hmm. so he wouldn't separate from her right. and put her in disgrace. And that's it how this, just, the three of them worked. <laughs> it was like a dirty pool. I mean, it's Bess working with Georgina or Bess working with the Duke or, you know, they took turns, kind of. Well, and it's funny because everybody knew that if he wanted legitimate heirs, he had to get them from Georgina. Right. And it's, oh, uh, the movie sucks in this regard. Oh, yeah. hate that. Like, gratuitous, violent. That, oh, unnecessary. Yeah, no. that was not necessary. And maybe they were trying in a, in a quick way to translate this, the morals of the day or something. Or the I mean, mechanics like, of the business of producing an heir. It's like, you are my woman. Yeah, it, it. Yeah, but that just, was disturbing. Yeah. It was disturbing, and it was unnecessary because it was not real. Just so mm-hmm. you know. We might dislike him, but we don't have to hate him. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Okay, so visitors to this house found this atmosphere, like, so bizarre. So bizarre. Um, they lived kind of in this melodramatic world of fakitude and just, like, drama. I can't, ugh. Okay, so, for example, Bess was pregnant again. 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 But... It could have been the Duke of Devonshire's, and it could have been the Duke of Richmond's baby. <laughs> what the heck are people doing around here? Well, you know what they're doing. I know, but is that bizarre? Yes. It's like you're so precarious anyway. You're perched on this triangle tip, and then there's a fourth that comes in. Just for within a short window. If you don't know, it's a short. It's a short time window. Two weeks. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And so she went away again. Had a son this time, and left him in a foster home, but while she was gone, the Duke and Duchess got along better than ever. Hmm. And Mama called Beth that obstacle. That obstacle. And hated her so seriously so much. Hated her. Mama hated Elizabeth Foster. And most people are like, what? What is this? Why does she put up with this? (laughs) But Georgina depended on her. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She got something out of the relationship. So, while they were in France for a visit to the Duchess de Polignac, <laughs> her little, you know, friend <laughs> in France of high rank, Georgina was pregnant. It's so exciting. It is, but that's kind of a weird time for them to be traveling to France, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, the troubles had started, in and, fact. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, well, okay. Yeah, she talked about how Versailles is just very hard to get to. I think we'll go tomorrow. <laughs> like, girl, this is not the election in Westminster. This is going to go on for more than a day. Yeah. You're not going to vote at the end and everybody's going to go, go back. No. 
They're going to keep drinking and hitting people with sharp objects. I'm just going to tell you right now. (laughs) (laughs) But nobody knew that yet. I mean, and she didn't, nobody thought it was as serious as it was. But the rumors started. The Duchess isn't pregnant. It's the other one. Uh, And and the rumors started that they were going to have, um, Elizabeth was going to have a baby. And if it was a boy, they were going to pretend it was the Duchess's. Mm -hmm. And so they had to make some concessions. And Bess literally had to go to the Paris Opera and show her face, and more importantly, her teeny tiny waist, right. at the appropriate time, in front of people at the opera. And they also had to have someone not family-related standing by in the birth room to verify that there had been a birth. Right. From, and, from, and from what loins it sprung. And from what loins it sprung. <laughs> yeah. And there was. And she finally had the son. Woo! <sighs> Needed that air, and she's delivered a son, and we've waited for this child for so long. Let's come up with a really special name for him. Let's call him William Spencer Cavendish. But, you know, they always (laughs) called him Hart because he was the Marquess of Hartington. So they always called him Hart. So the family that came back home from this visit was much enlarged. You know, Mm -hmm. you've got little G, Harry O, baby Hart. Right. But also Charlotte. Remember her? Charlotte Williams. Yes. And Caroline, who was Bess's daughter, came home with them then, too. Because the Duke said, the Duke said, you know, there's all this chaos. She's got a French last name. We'll just say we picked her up when we were there. She mm-hmm. needs help. We brought her home. That's nice. Nobody has to know anything. It's his what? daughter with Bess. <laughs> I know. What a giving family. And can I just tie this in? The doctor that was in attendance at... um. Uh, at uh, the son's birth is Dr. Croft. Dr. Croft. Where did we hear that name? Oh, yes. He killed Princess Charlotte in 20 years, some odd years later. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that an interesting tie-in? But they have the son. Obstetrician Finally. to the stars. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So they have hearts. They have their three children. They have they two have additional children. These children that they just picked up. <laughs> so the Duke had his heir, but the specter of money raised up again. She owed four million more pounds that she would admit to. There's probably more. Yeah. One source describes her writing desk that's just stuffed full of letters from creditors. Opened and unopened. You know, those people that don't answer their answering machine because right. there's a call. From, right. Yeah. This is the yeah and they didn't, have, yeah, they didn't quite have the system that we have now where they call your neighbors. Have you forgotten those calls? They call your neighbors. Hey, I'm trying to get a hold of. Oh. Yeah. I've never heard of that. Wow. Mm, I love that one. Well, okay, so so that's bad. That's bad. It's $4 million more million. What are you spending it on? You know what you're spending it on? Nothing. Nothing. It's gambling. It's you, not like she's buying dresses. It's no. not like she's landscaping. Or even buying her, her opiates. Making a larger <laughs> kitchen. She's getting a little high from the thrill of gambling. It's just, it's, it's an, not even it's worth a, it. I mean, this is, this is bad. It is very bad. Um, so, so we're down 10 million right now. Um, so we're down 10 million and it's up to best to settle him down, really. His whole family, all the Cavendishes, all the Cavendishes said, you are a fool for supporting your wife any longer. And they said, we are never going to talk to her in public. We will walk by as if she doesn't exist. We're going to cut her in public. We're mm-hmm. going to avoid her in private. Mm-hmm. And they did. Yeah, and and someone else at the time, a contemporary, wrote that all of society thought it's generally believed that her own terrible extravagance has extracted from her 
consent to this unnatural inmating of her house. So the society people thought that Elizabeth Foster was the price she had to pay for being this foolish with her money. Mm -hmm. That that's what the Duke said while climbing. If you're going to spend all this money, then you have to put up with my mistress in your house. Who knows if that's how it really was. No, I don't know. But, wow. (laughs) How many years was it that they they were? A couple years, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh no, that's not no, that's later. Oh this is this is a oh. whole separate thing. Oh right, sorry. So um so a young politician named Charles Gray was in and out of the house. <sighs> this is another movie problem. Yes. <laughs> at, at the beginning there's a scene where the young Keira Knightley's character is playing some game with a hat and a race and a, and a bunch of men. They're all about the same age. And Charles Gray is there, and there's looks of love and attraction and blah, 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 before she's sold to the Duke for, sold to the Duke for millions of pounds. <laughs> Ten million. Right. The Duke is looking at the window, yeah. looking at her going, yeah, she'll be a good wife, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? Not Charles Gray would have been ten years old. Yeah. So. He was running around somewhere, but it wasn't in the front yard of. Uh, it's, it's Ball Thorpe House. Yeah. 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 Not worried. Nope. So, he came in and out of the house whenever the Duke was away. Uh, the Duke had set her up. Let's see. I'm just, I'm just trying to read this. That's okay. The Duke had set up his wife after this last four million debacle and her sisters and all the children in Bath, like far from the temptations of the Pharaoh Games mm-hmm. of London. Mm-hmm. That's fair enough, don't you think? It's like, okay not going to separate you, but you need to be separated from these people. Mm-hmm. Go live quietly with all the family. Here's all your children. I know you love them. Please take them with you. Please. Just cool off for a while. Right. That <laughs> seemed fair enough to me. That was that was more than my husband would do if I lost him $4 million. Yeah. yeah. There would be nothing cool about it. And there really wasn't because things kind of heated up a little bit. Charles Gray was in and out of the house. The Duke would leave and he would go in. <laughs> Hmm. When the Duke's away, the Charles will play. <laughs> it's bad. But yeah. soon, Georgina was, you guessed it, pregnant. Yeah. It is the bad decision roundtable. Yes. It's not good. And it word gets to her husband. Everyone tried to hide it, which is funny. Yeah. Everyone tried to hide it. Well, mm, never happened. Mm-mm. Somebody told the Duke in London, you need mm-hmm. to go down and see, see your wife, would you? Check her out. Mm. And he is, I suppose maybe this scene in the movie was fairly accurate. Because he's pissed. Oh, he's he livid. makes her choose between him or her children. You know what's interesting? I think the movie portrays it more meanly like like the like it's the child that made him so mad mm-hmm. but i think there's that underlying thing that made him so mad you know this is how you repay me for being so lenient about 10 million pounds right. you've heaped scandal on my head mm-hmm. here's more scandal right right after i forgive you what is going on in your head and he's mad he feels that he has been as generous as a man could possibly be in that situation, and I kind of yeah, agree yeah, yeah, a little bit. She was um, pushing boundaries there. Yeah, so that movie, he's mad, and he does. He makes her choose. He sent her away to have the baby in secret. First mm-hmm. of all, nobody can know about this. It's too embarrassing for me on top of all this other stuff. And, and the, they send the baby off to live with um, Charles Gray's parents' family. And to be raised. And she contacts the baby throughout, and she grows up. Um, her name is Eliza. 
and she doesn't know that um, Georgina is her mother until I think after she until died. Until after she died, yeah. But she, um, they had a relationship, a, a friendly relationship, um, for the, for her whole the child's life. Well, and she thought that Charles, um, she thought that Charles Gray was her older brother. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, perfectly, perfectly legitimate because if if a woman might have her first child at seventeen. By the time she was 40, she could still have children. It's perfectly reasonable that Absolutely. they would be brother and sister, and that's how they had been raised. She thought that Charles Grant's parents were her parents. Right. Well, and she uh, and she obviously didn't feel betrayed by the whole thing because when um, baby Eliza grows and has a daughter of her own, she names her Jordana. So. Yeah, yeah. let's do Eliza as a special feature, too. I yeah, because there's a tie into yeah. contemporary times with Eliza. Mm-hmm. Can you say it now? Sure. Um, Eliza is actually a relation to Sarah Ferguson. So um, that's just, I mean, if think back to the days, you know, the glory days of Princess Diana and Sarah, the Duchess of York, and and that they were, there was this relation between, you know, this, this intertwining. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, it is very cool. So anyway. Okay. So two years went by. Two years? went by. She's gone. He says, don't come home. And Bess is with her. Mm-hmm. He sends Bess and Georgina away. And he forbade her to come back. And the children haven't seen their mother for two years. And everyone blamed him. Everyone blamed him. <laughs> if the Duchess had been married to any man who'd shown her proper attention and done justice to her merits, she would have been one of the most perfect women in England. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, the movie does gloss over that monetary thing. So, you know. Yeah, they show her gambling, and but not really. Anyway. Okay. So the Duke finally asked her to come back, finally. Yay. And she had great relief. And she came back and said she's coming back with humility, and she wants to atone by doing more for her husband and to acquiesce to all his wishes. And she seemed sober and reformed and... Developed an interesting love of the science of chemistry, which was like, where did that come from? <laughs> and so instead of musicians and artists, now she had famous scientists come into the house. Well, she obviously was extremely intelligent, and she needed she needed that that mental stimulation. Uh, that's my theory. Yeah, well, and good on her. I yeah, mean, political theory and chemistry—that's yeah. not light reading. No. But she tried to rebuild relationships with her children, and she succeeded for the most part, um, you know, two years gone from all three of her children when she had been such an affectionate mother. Hands-on. Yeah. But that, that yeah, she repaired it enough. I yeah, mean, I think so. you know, and then all the years prior, you know, set the, set the stage that she could do that. So Big G. <laughs> Big G. <laughs> Georgina had a horrible health scare. This is creeping. Oh. Me out. Oh, because <laughs> you love this kind of medicine so much. She, did you just turn it off? No, no. Oh. She developed an inflammation the size of your hand on her eye. Eyeball. <laughs> Pause for vomiting. <laughs> what the heck is this thing? I mean, here's a woman who is just beautiful, and all of a sudden she's got this monstrosity on the side of her face. And I looked it up, and it's called cavernous sinus thrombosis. And without... Um, CST for short. CST for short. But the thing is, without modern antibiotics, there's not much they could do. Although they no. tried. Oh, 
We tried some really cool things like leeches. On her eyeball. <laughs> you know how much I love the 18th century medicine. And they made the children go away so they didn't have to hear the screams. One doctor seriously tried to shove. He thought she needed new blood in her head and tried to basically shove by forcing the blood through her neck mm-hmm. up to her head to mm-hmm. give new blood and basically bruised her windpipe and practically strangled her yeah. to death. Right. I'm so glad. Where did he get his degree? Let's let's examine our doctor's diplomas more thoroughly from then on. <laughs> and so, you know, what they're, what they're giving her? Laudanum. Hmm. Right. You know, why not? And then it's her old friend. Plasters on the back of the neck. I, that are supposed to draw the pain to a, I mean, I'm sure there was pain, but I don't think it was very helpful. So it's not around anymore, thankfully. But unfortunately, um, for a 35-year-old, then 35-year-old Georgina, it, it did leave some scarring. She was kind of, she had a droopy eye. She was really kind of shy of going anywhere, which is probably good <laughs> for her. A little bit of a break from being crazy. Um, but just like that, Bess's husband and the wife... Of Bess's baby daddy, the Duke of Richmond, yes. both die. Who's free to marry who? Hmm. Hmm. So that made the Duke of Devonshire make him kind of long for like a normal life. Can we just live together as husband and wife? Since she's obviously going to go marry this man and leave us, mm-hmm. let us be together as two. Nice. So there were four years of living together as two. Which and was good. She, and she wasn't as socially active. Mm-mm. So, um... Yeah. yeah, people who were famous, like, who saw her social life before would now come to the house and see her planning a garden with a mm-hmm. whole circle of gardeners around her or reading a book or writing a book. She started to write poetry mm-hmm. and studying chemistry and performing <laughs> experiments and just very quiet, like, very serene um, environment, well, which was good. She had all those years of hard living. I mean, she lived life fullest, so I think she needs a little retirement. <laughs> and unfortunately, it doesn't really last all that long. Um, her health is deteriorating, and at the age of 48, which really isn't all that old, <laughs> um, on March 30th, 1806, she died of what is was thought to be an abscess of the liver. And at that time, there's nothing they could do to... Mm-hmm. There was nothing anyone could do at that time to even help her with anything so they couldn't have saved her and so that's really sad but wait our story isn't over yet because she leaves a little bit of a debt (laughs) that's revealed after she's dead thankfully because boy if the duke had another another series of debts on his plate he might have done it for instead (laughs) of the liver (laughs) um but thousands of people, I mean, even common London people, mm-hmm. like the kind she was accused of kissing all those many years ago, came to pay their respects. Now, I want you to imagine when Diana died, that, that fence, that black gate with all the flowers. Right. It was that kind of situation. Right. Not only the grand people came in their carriages, but the, the common people wanted to express how sad they felt. Right. And the only way they could do it was to just wander over there in a daze and just lay down a flour or a newly baked, you know, bread or just a little, like, whatever they had to just express. Something that meant that something sad. to them, they, they left it there. Yeah, that's really nice. Now, of her children, she did actually, she got to be a grandma. I mean, she saw um, uh, her um, heart, the son, never had any children. Um, but um, little G who ends up having 12 kids. 
<laughs> um, she she got to see four of them. Georgina got to see four of her grandchildren be born. So that's kind of that's a nice. That I mean, good. think about the end of her life, you know, in the garden mm-hmm. and and all and being and being the grandma and so that's that's a nice ending to such a dynamic. Yeah, and life. frantic life. Yeah. Um, the I want to quote from the Amanda Foreman book, The Duchess, about what. Go ahead. Do you want to talk about best marrying after? Maybe oh, okay. that's like quick epilogue. Oh, okay, you know, okay. This okay, is good. A, yep, good. Go. Um, I want to quote from a book called. Uh, well, if you buy it in, in UK, it's called one thing. If you buy it in America, it's called another thing. But The Duchess by Amanda Foreman. Um, all about what about Georgina? She was a. She was an acknowledged beauty, yet unappreciated by her husband. A popular leader of the time who saw through its hypocrisy. A woman who people loved, who was yet so insecure in her ability to command love, she became dependent upon the suspect devotion of Lady Elizabeth Foster. She was a generous contributor to charitable causes, who nevertheless stole from her friends. A writer who never published under her own name. A devoted mother who sacrificed one child to save the other three. A celebrity and patron of the arts in an era when married women had no legal status, a politician without a vote, and a skilled tactician a generation before the development of professional party politics. Wow, that's a nice summation. Mm-hmm. I can see why um, our listeners have voted her in our guaranteed content poll. Mm-hmm. Lots of contradictions. Yeah, yep. Very interesting life this woman led. Now, if you would like to learn more. Quick epilogue. Oh, yeah. Do you have a little epilogue for us? Oh, well, just a quick, like, you know how in movies how they say so-and-so went on to become the president of so-and-so. Okay, here's a very quick epilogue. We're going to do um, definitely some special features on this. Quick epilogue. Best married the Duchess of Devonshire, becoming his second wife against the wishes of almost everyone on the planet. Except Georgina. Didn't she tell him that it was okay? Didn't she write a letter encouraging? Hmm. Oh, well, maybe not. Don't quote me. The eight children, or nine, if you count the Duke's Charlotte at the very beginning. So the nine children um, were close all their lives, which is interesting. So Bess's four children and her four children and the the random one that uh-huh. belonged to him, but nobody yeah. else. Well, they, she raised um, were close their whole lives, which is interesting. Um, even Eliza, who hadn't grown up with them, um, developed relationships, and you know they pretty much all went on to lead happy lives. Yeah. So they have left a legacy. I think so. In that way, I think so. And if you are at all interested um, about learning more about the life of this woman and the times that she lived. Obviously, we will put lots of links up on our um, website under Time Travel with the History Chicks. If you haven't been there, you should check it out because we do put a lot of things that we don't talk about. And with this woman, there's a lot that we didn't talk about. Um, But first off, first link you should definitely go check out is the Duchess of Devonshire's Gossip Guide to the 18th Century. (laughs) And this is the sister site to Marie Antoinette's Gossip Guide. And it's just as beautiful, and it's just as uh, well done. And there's paintings and stories of the people of the times. And not just about um, Georgina, but about anyone that was in that in that world at that time. And um, they do such a beautiful, beautiful job. So you should definitely, definitely go check out um, all the gorgeous randomness surrounding her life awesome. there. 
Now, the book, the main book, I have to say, yeah. uh, although it has two different titles, which is funny, The Duchess by Amanda Foreman, mm-hmm. also called Georgina, Duchess of Devonshire by Amanda Foreman. Do you have a British book? It's the same book. I think you have the British book. I have the British book? I bought that on Amazon. Oh, it's coming. I thought it was just different editions because... Nope, it's the exact same. Debutante, fashion's favorite, the Vortex... I know, the interior is the same. I think the cover's different because I think yours came out about the time that... The movie oh, came okay. out. Well, it just is originally published as Georgina, Duchess yeah, of Right. Okay. Right. Okay, hold on. Let me just start that part of it. Okay. Um, the main book, the book, really, to read, is called The Duchess by Amanda Foreman, also called Georgina, the Duchess of Devonshire. Once the movie came out, it got shortened to The Duchess. Now, there's two books. I don't know how available they are because they were library books. Um, but, you know, worthy of looking out. The two duchesses, the sexual and dynastic intrigues of two bewitching English aristocrats in a time of unbridled extravagance and license. <laughs> okay. Take a breath. But you are rushing out to get that one, aren't you? You are all typing in your library <laughs> website. Ooh, let me see if you got that one. So, um, so yeah, that's a book written uh, way back, you know, in the 70s. It, uh, the author's name is Arthur Calder Marshall. So good on him, though, for tackling that subject well ahead in the of 70s everyone. we're talking a lot, we've talked a lot of sex in the 70s so <laughs> <laughs> maybe he didn't see anything wrong i don't yeah, really know i don't know um and then another one um which is interesting because it's a collection of letters um the two duchesses georgina duchess of devonshire and elizabeth duchess of devonshire it's a collection of letters by vera v-e-r-e foster and um again library book don't know how available that is but if you can get a hold of it in your library um it's neat to read source material yeah i think so and um, amandaforeman.com oh yes has quite a bit of information on it and um she's i mean the the knowledge this woman has of of this era is astounding yeah so, so yeah this podcast is readable yeah it's very it's not dry at all so i i think that's um and see the movie. Why not? Do see the movie, but really read the book first. Yeah. Listen to this podcast. Yes. Then read the book. Yes. Then nose around the Duchess of Devonshire's gossip guide, and then see then the watch movie. the movie and like watch it with a friend who's done the same thing. Have yeah. your own little history chick session, watching the movie, pointing out the inaccuracies. <gasps> that would be fun. That would be fun. We should do that. You and I. Okay, we right. should do that. not this movie, but another topic. Yeah, someday. Good. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, locations. Um, what's it called? Althorpe. Oh, no. Uh, Althorpe, Chatsworth. Um, Althorpe is. Um, we'll link you up. It's visitable. <laughs> not from you know the middle of America. Unfortunately, Devonshire House is not visitable. No. Well, it's, it's a been park. torn down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the gate is still there. So you can go look at the gate, or yeah. you, can, you can go online and just download a picture of the gate. Save some time. Yeah, it's easy. Well, if you happen to be there, yeah. if you're in London, check it out. Um, let's see. Is there anything else? That's all I have. Is there anything else? Mm-mm. Okay. Well, that is it for our extensive coverage of the Duchess of Devonshire. We have left plenty of room for some special features to be popping up on the website. So mm-hmm. look for those. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's nice to have a subject that lends itself so well to such various... 
topics. Yeah, there's a lot. I so mean, it's good. Yeah, we, we'll put them up as we get them done, which, as you know, might be when we cover our next topic. You know, or it might be six months, or it might be this week. You just don't know. So <laughs> always check back to our website um, and, and see if we've added new special features. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, also, thank you so much for voting in the podcast awards. Yes, thank you so much for that. Just to be nominated, you all had to put us on the ballot. And for two women in a house of wood, just plugging along here, that was like the big, we, it sounds fake, but it's true. It was a bigger honor than winning. I think we screamed. We did. You didn't believe me. You're like, oh, I'm not going to listen. I'm like, I am. And I was online with my earbuds in. And I'm like, Bye. Yeah. It was exciting. We didn't win. We were on the not just nominate. It was very exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. So thank so you thank so you. much. I Yeah, we need to tell you that. Yes. So thanks for listening every day. We will see you next time. Bye. For show notes and links to the things we talked about today, please visit us at thehistorychicks.com. Follow us on Twitter at The History Chicks. With, with an, an X. X. Or like us on Facebook without an X. If you'd like to send real life, please tell a few friends or leave a review for us on iTunes. The music in our podcast comes courtesy of Music Alley. Visit them at music.mevio.com. Try